Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by self-deprecating thinking. Remember, it's garbage can, not garbage cannot. Just because you think you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa From awkward supervisor interactions, to reviewer two horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and amateur human impersonator, Anna. (laughs) Anna is a PhD candidate studying digital health, a field where researchers ask, if banks really had our best interests at heart, why are they allowing me to eat Whoppers every day? I think they only cancel your card if they like suspect fraud. And eating Whoppers every day is pretty on point for you. No, I get it. It's just, I thought that someone in my life should tell me no at some point. I tell you someone no. Someone other than you. Anyway, speaking of fraud, today's episode is all about imposter syndrome. For those with overwhelming self-confidence, imposter syndrome is essentially feeling like you are a fraud within your given role or job, often accompanied with feeling like you've conned your way into it, or that everyone else knows more than you do and you have no idea what's going on or how you'll ever be competent enough. I feel like imposter syndrome kind of just comes bundled with grad school. You know, you get your acceptance and it's like, I didn't in. And then the first day and you're just like, oh, you don't know shit. I think now by the fourth year of my PhD, The best I can do when submitting a paper is literally feel like, yes, this stands a chance. Not this paper is good. Not this paper is meaningful. It's this stands a chance. And honestly, (laughs) by this point, I'm comfortable with that. Dude, it just wears you down. And like, I feel like it doesn't ever go away. I feel at least in my role, you know, if anything, I feel worse about publishing now than I did in my doctorate. In my doctorate. It was like, oh, I'll publish something out there. Like, it's rejected once or twice, but then it'll get published. And I didn't publish nearly as much. But now, you know, putting out a paper fairly often and just like every other week, it's like rejection, rejection, rejection. I, I think we topped out at four rejections in one week. Oh, my God. That was a rough week. We had four rejections in one week. And then I'm also submitting creative writing. So I got a rejection for creative writing. So I was at five rejections that week. <laughs> Every <laughs> morning, was, just like start off the day. <laughs> it just felt like that episode of Simpsons where the crap, crappy patty. Wow. Um, that's a different show completely. <laughs> Um, where the burger bandit is getting beaten up and the kid is like, stop it, stop it. He's already dead. And that was me checking my email every morning. I thought you were going to say the one, like the steamed hams episode where Principal Skinner is like inviting over Superintendent Chalmers and he has to like, He's making a thing for him, like a tr- something in the oven. Then he goes into the kitchen and it's on fire. And he's like, oh, no, how how am I ever going to get away with this now? And then he opens the window and he sees the crusty Burger down the road. And so he buys hamburgers and he goes and <laughs> serves those to Superintendent Chalmers. And he's like, here's steamed hams. These look like hamburgers. Well, uh, we call them steamed hams where I'm from. Where are you from? Uh, <laughs> it's like, so something like, I'm from there too. Which city? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, point is, fraud. Okay. <laughs> um, My face the entire time you're talking about this is like, did we, was there another 
show concerts. Okay, look it up. Look it up. Steamed hams. It's a, it's an amazing segment. <laughs> it's a classic. Okay. Um, but what are like some of the hallmarks of imposter syndrome for you? Um, kind of like a Pepto Bismol commercial. <laughs> <laughs> what are the symptoms of imposter syndrome? Nausea, heartburn, indigestion, absence. <laughs> I'm gonna spit out my tea. <laughs> <laughs> chronic depression um yeah. we laugh but it's bad <laughs> okay but like i think that there's some pretty obvious ones right there's like feeling like you don't know what you're doing and everyone else around you knows what they're doing right mm-hmm. classic that's like i think classic sign i think also not knowing if you'll ever be good enough to do the thing you know what i mean like i'm i know i'm not there right now but it just seems like the goal of like becoming a researcher becoming an academic mm-hmm. is so far out of like the realm of possibility that like there's no way I can see I would disagree I would like with the current job market that's a pretty pretty realistic assessment there (laughs) that's pretty realistic okay okay sure um but yeah I guess also like feeling for me one of the things has been feeling like I should be working all the time yeah yeah like you know I I am just coming off now of like more or less a week of vacation I think quotation marks and vacation because I have to do work but I, you know, I find it such a struggle to relax and to like step away from things and really be like, oh, I am allowing myself this time to do something else and think about something else other than academia. And it's hard. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing is that um, because we don't have strict work, like guidelines of how many hours mm-hmm. you should be putting in a week. There's always that expectation that you can be working more mm-hmm. and there's no like there's no ceiling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no ceiling. Um, so that just leads to people just working all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. How do you feel like imposter syndrome affects you on like a daily basis or maybe even like a larger time scale? Uh, I think on the daily basis, you know this about me, but I will have panic attacks about writing emails. Mm hmm. Um, I can write a manuscript, but I cannot craft an email. I feel like we're the opposite. I feel like emails are so like snap. And then manuscripts, I'm like, I'll sit on looking at a blank page and just be like, I don't know what to write. I just I just can't. I think my imposter syndrome is very much interpersonal. Yeah. And so when it's just between me and the literature, it's kind of okay. But when I have to interact with other people, I overanalyze so much like oh am i coming off as incompetent am i um am i asking for too much help am i asking for too much clarification from my supervisor and then they'll think that i'm actually like super dumb right i'm in my fourth year of my phd i am almost done like i'm on the last chapter of my thesis and to this day every time i send something into my supervisor i think if it's not good enough they'll kick me out of the program interesting Interesting. See, I kind of get that with like the other way. So it's not the emails and the interpersonal stuff, but it's very much like how can what I'm writing right now possibly be the right thing or the best thing to write about this? Like I'll just, you know, all the study, the study will be done, the the collection of the data and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now just be looking at it, the results and be like, this can't be the right thing to say. Like there's no way that what I'm writing right now is going to get published. People are going to look at this and be like, no, I can't believe you wrote that. That's like completely wrong. And so like for me, it's it it really keeps me from writing a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think I just try and keep myself busy with like literally meetings and like trying to 
move things along in terms of like other projects in a certain stage mm-hmm. of what they're in. But yeah, writing is writing is difficult for me anyway. But I feel like our stories today that come from current and recent grads kind of detail their own struggles and victories over imposter syndrome. And I think we're going to hear a lot of what's being echoed uh, for what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Our first story comes from a grad student who feels the weight of imposter syndrome and its effects on their mood and daily activities. They write, I'm in a non-thesis master's program, and it's been rough to say the least. I come from a family that really believes in working hard and gives me the most love and support, so what's been going on is especially disappointing. In short, I guess I just feel like a big fake. Whenever I walk into a classroom or lab or even the campus, I feel like I somehow conned everyone into accepting me, and so I feel like the dumbest man alive. I was talking about this new development with some of my colleagues and my PI, and they all said, oh, everyone feels that way, don't worry. But how can I not? I'm in this programming class and it is not my jam at all. I ask a lot of questions and I'm normally shameless about it, but today I just felt like I was being condescended to by the teaching fellow, and then I started feeling this familiar panic. I started feeling hot and anxious, So I ran out to use the bathroom and calm down, but by the time I was able to breathe somewhat normally, class had ended. So I packed my stuff up and felt sad on the ride home. Like, why do I feel this way? And if everyone supposedly goes through it, then why does it feel like this inescapable sinkhole of suck? How can I do better? Adding on to that is burnout. I run my life like a job. From 9 to 5, I do schoolwork or personal and academic projects, and then go to the gym, make dinner, and then sleep, and do it all over again six times a week and on Saturdays. I try to relax, but I just feel guilt. Like, oh, I should be doing this reading, or this p-set, or this coding, or study critique, or or this something, so I never really enjoy it. I hope there's some relief I can get instead of just feeling like a loser all the time, or more accurately, like a big fake. In terms of feeling like a big fake, I saw this, I don't know if this was Tumblr or Twitter, but it was basically a post saying like, own your imposter syndrome okay like if you believe that you faked your way all the way to a phd or you know a master's program like this person then like clearly you're super good at faking (laughs) right like you're pretty pretty awesome at faking your way through things Mm -hmm. so like take pride in this skill that you have that you're like this secret agent and nobody knows what's going on and they're too dumb to realize that you don't know anything and you've made it this far i don't know why but you're talking about this and i'm just thinking about like those 20 year old women who marry like really old men i'm just like he's the love of my life and he's like i've been waiting my whole life for this and it's just you know there's (laughs) <laughs> and, and she's just like counting down to the heart attack. You know? the moments, you know? It's the final countdown. <laughs> uh, um, I get this, though. I really do get this. Like, I've been trying to learn R. <laughs> like, I've taken four or five workshops and I, I try and I, for whatever reason, it is just not like programming is just not something that sticks with me. Like, it's it's worse than learning another language because at least like, other languages, there's like. I don't know. You can kind of use it in the outside world. You can kind of see relevance to it. Mm-hmm. Programming is just like, I don't get it at all. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not like human enough, I guess. And so I feel so behind in so many ways, like in that way, right? Like R is the way that most people do statistics nowadays. And it's yeah. supposed to be the future. And I feel like such a boomer. Just being like, 
I don't know how to do it, you know? And I'm trying, but it's it feels hard. I totally get this. So basically, if any of our listeners know how to do art... <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> we're trying everything at our disposal now. Teach my husband how to art. At this point, if someone could just write like a picture book about like baby's first art, maybe first art R R program. Dummies. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, man. That's the only way it's going to work for me. Yeah. I, this is not very uplifting, but I've kind of given up on feeling like I belong in academia because okay. I think I fundamentally don't. Okay. I think everything about me is very anti-academia and I really don't like the ethos of, and I would say like old academia. I think okay. new academia is very different and people are a lot more um, proactive and they're a lot more um, socially just. And mm-hmm. I think academia is changing. But as it stands right now, like, I I wouldn't fit into it. And I'm okay with that. And I'm kind of trying to own it. Okay. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. I think, uh, I think too, depending on the people who you have mentored you or advise you, if they're in this position where they're a part of the old academia, right, mm-hmm. it can feel even worse because it's almost like, well, you know, I didn't have to try that hard or, like, I didn't find it that difficult or blah, blah, blah. Um, and also with the whole job market thing too, like it's what you, what it took to get a tenure track position out of your PhD 20 years ago is it's basically been like a publication a year, essentially. Yeah. Right now what it is now, like, I don't know it, it, and for people to tell you like, oh, you just do this thing, like just find your niche, do your research and then you'll find a job because people will see that. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. And so it's hard to be like. I'm doing everything people are telling me and I'm not getting things. Yeah. I think in this person's case too, like it's not very helpful to hear, oh, everybody feels this way. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, first of all, you have imposter syndrome. You don't believe them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I don't know. You can tell me anything. I'm not going to believe you. (laughs) But also it's not like, it's not like a tangible, measurable, like, thing mm-hmm. advice i guess it's not yeah. a smart goal so what would be better advice um read something you wrote in your undergrad <laughs> look That's, back on it yeah. no for real when i feel terrible about my writing i read over my master's thesis um vomit a little bit into my mouth and realize just how much i've grown as a researcher and as an academic writer in yeah. the past three and a bit years because man it was bad yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. In a way, what you're doing is you're really setting out these physical milestones, right, of what yeah. you've done and kind of like compare your work and be like, okay, like I have gotten better. I am making progress, recognizing that progress is a process mm-hmm. and that you will get to where you're going eventually, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of the things that helps me is this almost thought experiment of if I were to just put in a hundred hours, I can't possibly or i can't probably still be at the exact same level of understanding yeah right like it will take time and it might take a lot of time but it's very unlikely i will be still where i am now yeah right and so it helps me think about like okay i will make progress yeah yeah our next confession is from a grad student who outlines how they struggled with imposter syndrome but later found a place to flourish and overcome these feelings they write learning happens through failure People tell us this all the time, 
but surely learning quickly from our failures is a sign of intelligence and future potential, and by extension, the opposite is true. That's probably why it's hard to admit when something doesn't come easily. While I'm currently a happily mediocre third-year PhD student in civil engineering, I was once a stressed high school student perpetually on the brink of failing physics. A student who got a late acceptance to their undergrad program, having initially been waitlisted, and have failed courses and had incredibly low averages, and still eked out a pass. During orientation week, I went to a talk by upper year students, one of whom said that first year was hard and everyone was faking it to some extent. They also emphasized that the university only admitted students who they believed would succeed in their studies and future careers, unlike the weeding out at some other universities. That stayed with me, and I think it made it easier to find a sense of belonging despite feeling decidedly like an underdog. During my undergrad, I was a very small fish in a big pond, but even the people I saw as a big fish had struggles. Surrounded by so many brilliant, somewhat perfect people, it is easy to feel very alone and very dumb. To qualify your knowledge and experiences using a but, I did well on this assignment, but I wasn't busy like my coworker who has the part-time job, etc., etc. As first year of undergrad closed out, however, people who had frequently proclaimed their own brilliance flunked. Now, as a PhD student at a different university, the skills learned during my undergrad have made me feel like a large fish in a small pond once again. Coming out of imposter syndrome is all about acknowledging the context of your achievements. Undergrad? Okay. <laughs> undergrad is way harder than graduate Yo, school. Yo, I will 100% agree to that. And maybe <laughs> that's just because we just, you know, the, the independent environment of graduate school and kind of how it's very self-driven. Maybe that's just more our jam. But God, undergrad sucked. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was also like way more drunk in undergrad. Mm, that could be it. No, I just I shouldn't say it sucked. I actually really, really liked my undergrad experience. But I think having to study for like, you know, just being given a bulk of material, having to study for it, mm-hmm. being tested on it, and then kind of just forgetting about most of it. Like that to me is just not conducive to like any long term learning. Yeah, the way we do undergrad is kind of messed up because it's still, for the most part, independent learning, but it's also not done in a way that reinforces it. So, you know, you get a textbook, you learn from the textbook. I've had courses where textbook material would not get covered in lectures. Mm -hmm. And so it was your complete responsibility to learn that material and be able to write about it on the exam on top of whatever was covered in lecture. Mm -hmm. And then... So you don't get this kind of back and forth versus in academia, you're constantly writing. And so the stuff that you've learned, the stuff that you're using, you're constantly kind of bringing it up and you're using it for something and you're memorizing it all over Mm -hmm. again. You're applying it. And so that makes the whole process of memorization, as we know from cognitive psychology, (laughs) like doing something multiple times will help you remember. And actually using it, right? Yeah, Yeah, and actually applying it. And so, like, I I only enjoyed my labs in undergrad because mm-hmm. you could actually do stuff. And my neuro labs, you learn something and then you did the lab and you could apply it. Yeah. And I think there's also something to be said about, you know, how different these environments are. Like, if you don't do well in something, on a topic in your undergrad, that definitely doesn't mean that you won't be good at it in a graduate school setting. Yeah. Like, my entire graduate degree is around exercise psychology. I got like a 73 in that course in undergrad. And I only took one because I was like, I have to take this. I don't have to take another yeah. one. 
didn't enjoy my prof. And I was like, that's it, right? Like, I'll do something different. And, you know, for me, I initially got rejected by three different graduate programs getting into my master's, right? And they were all in these more phys fields, like physiology mm-hmm. fields. And that to me was like a very big, wow, I did well in these courses, but I still can't get into a master's program in it. Like, I must not be very good at this thing or that I was like, or I don't have a future in this. And then, you know, getting accepted into a exercise psych program and being like, this is way more interesting. I think perhaps it's a, it's a disservice to ourselves to say, if we don't do well in something initially, we won't be good at that eventually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a little different, but I'm in a basically it's a health promotion um kind of doctorate, but what I'm doing is medical sociology. Mm-hmm. It's very writing heavy. And the sort of writing that I'm doing is it's it's very particular. It's very skills-based. And I remember being in grade six and my teachers suggested to my parents that I be put in applied courses going forward. And, you know, they were concerned about me doing well in middle school, going doing well in high school because I had no English. Mm. Right. I did not speak English and English is my third mm-hmm. language. And then now being like, oh, not only did I get a doctorate, am I getting a doctorate in my third language, but also that I'm writing extensively in it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, skill acquisition happened. It took. Yeah. You know, I probably would say like I'm coming into my own in terms of writing now. So it took 20 years yeah. to do it. But like I got there. Yeah. I'm also a slow learner, so like. And also I think, you know, you raise a good point with the whole like, oh, teachers told me that I wouldn't be able to do this. Like, I also think we perhaps place a bit too much weight into what others think about us, particularly negatively, right? Like you had a professor tell you once that you weren't cut out for a graduate degree and you shouldn't pursue it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I had that. I submitted a paper. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. If you're basing it off that paper, (laughs) I see where you're coming from. But I think now, in hindsight, I have two things to say about it. First one, it's like, haha, I'm finishing my doctorate. Um, but the second one is maybe at the time I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when they said it, I wouldn't go to graduate school for another mm, for another year. Mm-hmm. And comparing myself to last year, mm-hmm. it's, that's a, a lot of growth that has happened. So maybe at the time they were right. I wasn't cut out for graduate school. But at the same time too, like people aren't these static sort of characters, mm-hmm. right? Like we're always growing. Well, we have the potential to learn. And I don't think it's ever too late to decide that you want to be someone different and you want to learn yeah. something or you want to like, you care enough about something that you'll put in a certain amount of effort towards it, right? Exactly. And so- I think it only does a disservice to those people to tell them you have no future in this or you can't do this. Yeah. Right? And again, I think I saw this on Tumblr or Twitter. Um, it was don't take advi- um, don't take criticism from people you would not take advice from. Mm-hmm. And I stand by. That. Yeah. No, I totally hear that. Totally hear that. Yeah. Our last story is from a to be grad who already secured a job in their field. But in doing so have found that their imposter syndrome has awakened. They write, I'm about to graduate my master's and have started a new job six months ago and have been working and studying both full-time since. I'm lucky because I feel my boss has been patient with me, but feel massive imposter syndrome. So much of university was theory-based and doing stuff with clean data sets. 
I did well in undergrad and grad school, and I understand the theory, but school didn't actually teach most of the tools I need. I guess Dunning-Kruger is also hitting hard right now. Now that I'm working and about to not have the excuse of also studying, I'm worried I will fall behind at work and my boss will think I'm a fraud. I got this job because of my education credentials more than experience, as I have a lot of varied experience, but the role and industry I'm currently in are both new to me. I already feel so burnt out from going from barely high school grad to a master's grad in four and a half years thanks to accelerated coursework. Now I'm working this job and terrified I have another few years of 12 hour plus days to learn the skill set after my workday that I'll actually need to be successful. I do a lot of self-learning and I figure that will likely have to be the way forward given my financial situation and other life commitments like supporting my family, but it is super daunting. For those that don't know, the Dunning-Kruger curve, uh, I would recommend looking this up, but it's essentially this, uh, if you can imagine a graph where the x-axis is uh, how much you actually know, and then the y-axis is how much you think you know. And so as you start to learn more about something initially, you feel like, wow, I kind of pretty much know everything there is to know about this. And as you begin to learn more, you very quickly and sharply realize that wow, I know nothing about this. And the issue is way more complex than I thought it was or this topic. And then as you begin to learn more, it's this sort of slow increase um, to like, okay, I am starting to understand the nuance of this topic and how everything fits in. So, you know, to this person's story, I think what they're saying is they're at that tipping point where like, I did really well in school and I seem to know a lot of the theory, but now that I'm in a position where I actually have to start using this stuff, I don't know anything. I think it's also interesting too how this person's imposter syndrome came out when they started working, you know, like they're done graduate school and now in the real world, it's like, oh, wow, it's not just sort of marks or grades or, you know, getting these clean data sets like the stuff already prepared. There's so much involved with it. I, I read that and I was like, what do you mean clean data sets? What kind of <laughs> what kind of master's program can I go to that will give me clean data sets? <laughs> it would be so nice. Um, But yeah, also this idea of having to do a lot of professional, not not professional development, maybe, but self-directed learning about Mm -hmm. your job. I feel like that's all of what academia is. It's like if you want to run this project, you're going to have to learn how like, you know, there's there's not going to be necessarily people who will be like, oh, this is the step you need to do. And then this is what you need to do or at the very least not holding your hand the whole way through it. I don't know. I kind of like that, though. I, I, I do enjoy that because I think in a way it allows you to pursue way more projects. Um, and you're like, there is a level of self-satisfaction of like, I taught myself this mm-hmm. and it worked. And that's pretty great. But it's crazy because I listen to the story. I'm like, this person is working full time and studying full time. And they're worried that. Once they stop studying full time, they won't be able to keep up with work. It's like, <laughs> honey, you're okay. You're doing it. Yeah, right. You're doing great. Oh my god! Like, what are we doing right now? Like, recording this podcast is what we're doing. <laughs> but also, like, you know, full time jobs, and you're writing your thesis, and we've got like consulting stuff, and it it can feel. I totally understand what this person is saying, and I resonate with it. Where it feels super daunting, like. How am I going to continue to manage all of these things? How can people look at me, but a small papore, and be like, how are they, how are they, 
capable of all this complex stuff that we want them to do and worthy of this like you know salary of whatever man you get a salary <laughs> you're getting paid I'm getting paid yeah <laughs> i think as um as graduate students we tend to sell ourselves short um i blame the outside world for that as well mm-hmm. saying how disconnected we are from reality and how we don't have any actual marketable skills oh, we totally do yeah exactly that's bullshit We have so much research and project management and networking and public speaking experience and writing technical reports and lay summaries and all of this other crap Mm -hmm. that we do. And it's almost second nature because it's just expected of us in Mm -hmm. in in our careers, Um, you know, with creative writing. People always complain about how much rejection that is. And it's almost um soothing in a way Mm -hmm. that my other pursuit is just an extension of the rejection I already get (laughs) in my day job. It's just so familiar. It it is. It is. It just doesn't get to me anymore. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like we'll put it somewhere else. And it's terrible when two rejections come in on the same day. You're like, wow, I suck at both of these things. (laughs) But like we have so many different skills and I think we get so fixated on seeing them only in relation to the topic we're studying, but mm-hmm. really they're relevant for anything that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I also think too, one of the one of the things you mentioned with the skills and how we have a lot of skills, some people, when they apply for jobs and they ask them like, oh, how much experience do you have? Right. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, I don't really have an experience. I just graduated my PhD or just graduated my master's. Dude, all of that training that is experience. That is that work is experience. Work experience. Yeah. Because the exact thing you're doing is the thing you're going to be doing. Well, depending on the job. But like if it's research related, if it's, you know, writing reports related, if it's, mm-hmm. you know, presenting information related, like that's all work experience. Exactly. And so, you know, I really think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not saying, you know, I went through four years, six years of school, right? That's work experience. That's all the experience I've accumulated. It is because if you're getting a stipend, mm-hmm. that is the university's payment to you. Yeah. AKA, this is a job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Feeling like a fraud or imposter while in graduate school is so common, it may very well be just a rite of passage. But feeling imposter syndrome does not take away from your value as a graduate student, nor the work or training you're doing. Our feelings may be real, but they do not reflect reality. You've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoasway. Thanks again to my co-host, Anna. I'm not going to lie. I often feel a lot of imposter syndrome with this podcast. I'm never sure if people are going to like or even listen to each new episode we put out. But you know what helps with those feelings a lot? What's that? If listeners enjoyed the show, to leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes so that others can benefit from our mediocre advice. Please also share us with your social network, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. We're waiting for your funny, interesting, or controversial confessions. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen. <laughs>